Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It was about 47 years ago when my wife took me aside and very kindly and yet passionately said these words to me. Chuck, I don't have any more feelings for you and it scares me. That's right. That's exactly what she said. And we were Christians. We were going to church uh, two or three times a week. Didn't eat, drink, or chew. Didn't go with women that did. Uh, we were straight. We were true. We were true followers of Jesus Christ, actually, from the age of five, each one of us. But something was happening or not happening in the context of our Christian marriage that caused my wife to sense and feel something that needed to be corrected. She never used the D word. You know the divorce word? In fact, that word is absolutely taboo in our household. Always has been and always will be. Why? Because it's taboo in God's household. However, we're real people. And we have real feelings. And my wife had real feelings, and if I had been honest about it, I had some real feelings too. And all those feelings weren't all that great because our communication was often in sarcasm. Well, sarcasm is not a good way to communicate in a marriage. And so something had to happen. How did that happen to us? What happened? And how did it get corrected? Because here we are right now. In about three months, we're going to be celebrating our 57th wedding anniversary. So what happened? What has to happen? And how did it happen? And how does it impact you? Today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about all those things that I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and conviction has to be part of the mending process. It really does, because without conviction, we don't come to a realization of reality from God's viewpoint or from the viewpoint of somebody else. And reality has to bear upon our relationships. God is interested in relationships. We know that. He wanted to have a relationship restored with us. It's called reconciliation. It's called restoration. And it's called salvation. But then he wants us to live according to his word, his will, his ways in all of our relationships on the planet, beginning with, guess what? The M word, married. And it's the one thing that God has set forth in his kingdom and in his entire, the panoply of his purposes that begins in Genesis chapter 2 and carries on to Revelation chapter 22 and affects everything in God's relationship with Israel God's relationship with his church, including you and I. So, does that sound like it might be important? You bet, my friends. So I have a question for you as we launch into the deep today with our special guest. Is forgiveness an option? Is forgiveness an option? Uh, Let me repeat the question, just in case you didn't get it. Is forgiveness an option? 
You say, well, you don't know what she did to me. You don't know what he did to me. You don't know. You just couldn't possibly know. Well, that's probably what Satan has been saying to us ever since. And God says, yes, I know. I know what you did to me. It was as if you crucified my own son by your sin and your rebellion, your stubbornness and your stiff neckedness. And I still said, I'm willing to forgive you if. Interesting, isn't it? So today on Viewpoint, our special guest joining us, his name is Herman. Doesn't sound like a Spanish name to me. Sounds pretty German to me, Germanic, but he's joining us here to uh, talk about this matter of, first of all, forgiveness, and secondly, our marriages. Herman Eben. Did I pronounce that correctly, Herman? That's right, Chuck. It's Eben. That's exactly right. Eben. Okay. All right. So uh, I probably surprised you a little bit with the introduction there. But sometimes I think we just have to get honest with ourselves and honest with everyone else that uh, just because yours truly is here and for 28 years has been confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective on the radio doesn't mean that everything in history in our lives has been absolutely perfect. Yet God says, be ye therefore perfect. So that sets the standard, doesn't it? It certainly does. In fact, I love the fact that uh, what you were saying that your wife said to you, I just don't have feelings for you. That is really an interesting and great thing to talk about. It often comes up when I'm talking to couples. Yeah, she didn't say, I hate you. Yeah. (laughs) She said, you're out of here. No, she didn't do that. She says, I don't have any more feelings, and it scares me. Yeah. Mm. In fact, that. That is so important because, you know, when we talk to couples, that's one of the things that we want people to understand is a very simple concept, and we ask it with this question, where do you think your feelings come from? Most people can't answer that. Most people don't have a way to think about feelings. Well, what would you say? Well, just think about the term that, we use for falling in love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what it can, does that, it can be a what, very hurtful experience to fall in love, can't it? Yeah, it certainly could. <laughs> and, and as we always say, you know, you if you fall in love, what's the other thing that can happen? Falling fall out. out and that's yeah, where the lordship of feelings comes in. Exactly. So... First and foremost, if we have a conversation, we've got to define what love is. Uh, All all of those type of things. But let's go back to feelings. She comes to you and she says, I just don't have feelings for you anymore. That that is a wonderful thing to start the conversation by just going, um, so what do you know about feelings? I mean, obviously, you probably wouldn't say that to your wife. No, that would be pretty (laughs) clinical. (laughs) That wouldn't wouldn't be a conversation. No, it wouldn't. It would be a a conversation ender. (laughs) That's right. It sure would be. So when you ask that of anybody, uh, most people, like I said, don't understand or don't have a great answer for that. 
And a little experiment that we do with groups all the time is a good example of to help people understand where their feelings come from. I simply say, I want you to, everybody, I'm serious about this, everybody, I want you, in fact, all the listeners, you can do this right now, uh, I just want you to be sad. And so in that group, I asked them to do that. I said, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. <laughs> and I'll be quiet. I'll, 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 I'll close my, I'll close my eyes and you can close your eyes and I'm going to count to 30 under my breath. And then after 30 seconds, uh, I'm going to see who was able to be sad. And so, so we do that. And inevitably mm-hmm. when, when I, uh, uh, ask the group, so who was able to be sad? And, you know, a, a variety of people, uh, raise their hands. Mm-hmm. And when I ask them, so how did you, Get sad. Well, we're going to have to answer that question when we get back from this break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, friends. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. How can two people come away from the very same circumstances, one being sad and the other being joyful? Our special guest today, Herman Even, with his wonderful book, How Did This Happen to Me?, uh, which is part of a series, by the way. We'll talk more about that uh, in a little bit. But how is it when he said, uh, now I'm going to give you 30 seconds to become sad. What does that take? What does it take to become sad? Did you have any choice in the matter? Herman, take us away. (laughs) It is so interesting because the wording is very important, isn't it? It sure is. Just be sad. And uh, so when I ask a group to do that, and a few people end up raising their hand uh, when I say, so who was able to do that? I ask them. And what most often comes out in their answer to me, it has some form of this. I thought about something sad. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about my grandmother's funeral here that I went to recently. I thought it's always about your thinking. Mm-hmm. And what happens is most people take their feelings and put them in a compartment over here and they take their thoughts and put them in a compartment over here, and they don't realize that their thoughts are driving their feelings almost all the time. In other words, another way of saying this is that how you feel about something is actually not something that's just happening to you. You actually had a choice in the matter. That's exactly right. Whoa, now that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. That's exactly right. It's a huge deal. So when you have that type of mindset, here's an example that we always use. A a good friend of mine came up with it. Uh, His name's Tim Dunn. And he uh, likes to look at the idea that your feelings are like the lights on your dashboard. The check engine light 
there's nothing probably wrong with that light, but there is something wrong under the hood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so you can you, either be about fixing it or you can get, get get down on your knees and start mourning over it. Or yeah, or take it to a uh, just a, a simpler idea. Whatever I'm feeling is an indication of what I'm thinking right now. Uh-huh. Because your feelings can be controlled. Another little example that we say to people all the time is you go to a, a, a scary movie and you're sitting there and uh, why do you get scared? You're sitting in a comfortable seat with popcorn and a Coke. <laughs> why, are you, why, why are you so scared? Well, that's another great thing to learn about your, your feelings. They are always responders mm-hmm. and they're often untrustworthy. So they're responding to something. So why am I scared in a situation that actually is silly for me to be scared about? All right. Well, well, I want to go back to something then, uh, and that is when my wife came to me and said, Chuck, I have no more feelings for you, and it scares me. At that time, I had a choice. And that's a pretty confrontive. It's about as non-confrontive as you can get in a situation, but it's still very confrontive because it now says, you have a problem, and that's why I'm not having these feelings. And uh-huh. so I had a choice, and I realized right then I had a choice. I can either respond, and by the way, in the 1970s when this happened, there was a phrase that was very common. It was called, hang it in your ear. In other yep. words, ah, go off. You, you, It's just dismissing somebody. Just hang it in your ear. So I could have said to Kathy, Hang it in your ear. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. You got a problem. That was one choice. The other choice, and I realized, depending on how I responded at that moment, may actually determine our destiny. So, I uh, received it. I said, okay. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot that I could say. I said, I'm very sorry about that. I'm very grieved about it. But as a result of that, the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart and basically said, Chuck, you have a problem. You are not really in as close a sync with me as you think you are. And it's affecting your marriage. Yeah. As a result of that, I made a vow to the Lord that from that day forward, I was going to spend quality time in his word every single day without fail, no matter what. I began to memorize the Sermon on the Mount, all three chapters. Three long chapters. And God began to do from the inside out what I had tried to do from the outside in through psychological responses and manipulation and all that kind of stuff. Being sanctimonious, God began to do from the inside out. And within 30 days, things began to dramatically change in our marriage to the point where Kathy recognized it, and she came to me and she said, Chuck, you know what? I feel like you're my friend. 30 days of Holy Spirit surgery through the Word of God began to change how I viewed 
our marriage. Yep. So true. That is so true. And and the the additional what you did there is you decided to replace your current me thinking with God's thinking. Mm. Well, didn't the Apostle Paul tell us that in these perilous times, our thinking would all be about me? Now it's called me, me, me. That's right. No wonder we've got problems. Yeah, in fact, that's what, you know, uh, I typically say to uh, couples or people all the time. I say, you know, we got 500 videos online, 200 blogs, 75 TV shows, 100 podcasts, 250-page study manual. I can tell you everything you need to know in 10 seconds. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) It's all about you or me, huh? That's right. The problem, I say, the problem is you make everything about yourself. The solution Mm -hmm. is to pursue their best patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. And so I pause to let that sink in a little bit, and then I simply kind of go, so go and be healed. (laughs) Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus, as the song once said. (laughs) That's right. All right, now here's the problem, though. I shared my... You could call it dirty laundry. It wasn't dirty laundry. It was just uh, real history in our relationship together as professing Christians. But you also have some history that you revealed in your book with your wife, Louie, huh? That's right. Yeah, And it wasn't a, pretty. It was, it was ugly. It truly was. It was very ugly. She wasn't faithful. And, yeah, she wasn't. And it's so interesting to look at that. From that viewpoint, and it's so easy for people to so-called feel sorry for me. Mm-hmm. But that's the way typically it happens in couples. One person is more visible in their sin than mm-hmm. the other person. So you're talking about fault. Yep. All right. Well, you see, fault was the big deal with regard to divorces. And that's why Ronald Reagan in 1968 passed the no-fault divorce uh, law which actually resulted in more divorces than ever. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that amazing? In fact, you know what? He said that's the thing he lamented most about his political history. Well, I didn't know that he said. That's awesome. I'd love to hear that. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so we forgive him for that, right? Because yeah, he was just a man, he, he put his shoes on, pants on one leg at a time, just like you and I. So when you're confronted, Herman, with the true testimony, somebody actually came to you and said, your wife's not faithful. She's having an yeah. affair. And you didn't believe it, did you? I didn't believe it. In fact, uh, that person ended up sending me a tape in the <laughs> mail and uh, of a conversation that my wife was having with the person she was having an affair with. Wow. Uh, that had to I, hurt deep, big time. It, it was very painful. In fact, it's one of those things that I have to uh, take Second Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, even now, mm-hmm. you know, 32 years later, because I can still hear some of that conversation that, that was, Satan's going to put in my ear. Isn't that amazing? So here's the deal. You can forgive, but you don't forget. We, we absolutely talk about forgive and remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's really important because some of the some of the ways that we talk about forgiveness, we have uh, seven steps that we like for people to follow with forgiveness. And what we do is align those steps with how you deal with the wound. You know, the first step is you got to stop the bleeding. It is so important to uh, to consider that you got to stop the bleeding. Otherwise, you're going to bleed out, and there goes the life. That's right. Mm-hmm. So when so when I the sixth step is how do you know you have forgiven? And you simply need to ask yourself a, a question. I'll forget about the other steps for right now. I simply need to ask myself the question, did I forgive her on October 15, 1991, when I said I did? Because those thoughts are going to come back to your mind. I yeah, promise you they are. Exactly. Well, you know, and, when when uh, the Bible seems to say that God doesn't uh, remember our sins against us, what it really means, it doesn't mean that he doesn't remember them. It means he doesn't hold them against us. Exactly. He doesn't pay attention to them anymore. Right. And that's that's how we want to be forgiving. We want to be able to look at them. The very first step is face their humanity, to look at them and see them as a person rather than see the hurt that they did to us. All right. So you had some things you had to deal with because apparently in all of this, it probably came out that your wife, Louie, really felt that you weren't being what you were supposed to be from God's viewpoint in the marriage. Absolutely. That's the that's the invisible part, isn't it? Yeah. All of my all of my controlling nature, all of my being uh you need to do life this way, while I wasn't anywhere close to abusive, it was just my idea of I'm right and you're wrong. Uh that doesn't promote relationships or even get close to promoting relationships. All right, so she had to forgive you, and you weren't the one that just had to forgive her because of the uh, adultery. Absolutely. It was a two-way street, wasn't it? Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Well, that means you and I are going to have to talk about the big elephant in the room. It's the F word, forgive. Okay. That's the big elephant in the room, and we're going to talk about that uh, for the rest of the program in uh, major respects. Friends, here's the deal. There are two books I have in front of them. They're both small, but they're powerful in their impact. If you are having a problem, and don't deny it, don't try to brush it under under the rug, if there's something that isn't quite right in your relationship with your spouse or with your sister, or your brother, or your pastor, or anyone else. How did this happen? How did this happen, and what do you do about it? These, This book is going to provide the answer to that. $15 is going to put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. It's called, How Did This Happen to Me? How did this happen to me? Now, the second book is called What Happened to Us. That's even more specific about the marriage situation. You can get either one of these by itself, or you can get the two of them together. They're each $15. If you get one, it's $5 postage and handling. If you get both, it's $7 postage and handling for the two. All right. 
you go to our website, saveus.org, saveus.org, or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Now, here's the deal. Remember, this program is about preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. And here's what Jesus said. Please listen very carefully, because he didn't mince any words. This was not the gentle Jesus, sweet and mild, who said this. This is the Jesus who was the only begotten Son of God, full of both grace and truth. He said, if you will not forgive others their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Now that has eternal destiny on the line, doesn't it? You see how important this is? Our special guest today, Urban Even. I hope you'll get a copy of these books. They're life-saving. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. Today is reality time. It's time to face reality from God's viewpoint. We say viewpoint determines destiny, and indeed it does, as we see so poignantly here today on Viewpoint about our relationships with the Lord as related to our relationships with one another, starting in our marriages. Herman, I want to take just a moment and go back to a book that my wife and I wrote called Lasting Love, Enduring Secrets for Marital Success. We wrote this book in celebration of our 50th wedding anniversary. And here are some of the words in a little section called Trial and Triumph. There's no victory without a battle. Neither is there triumph without a trial. And we have had many. Too numerous to recount here. But let me tell you about one. It happened gradually, almost imperceptibly. After two years of emotional engagement, interrupted by a brief hiatus of reconsideration, anticipation of life together was high. It was as realistic as a young man and woman, each just entering their 20s, could muster in the face of the unknown or unexpected challenges that would threaten to carve away at the keen edges of love. And so we pressed on in faith and hope for the future as Christians. But despite our best intentions, the future fires of marital bliss were increasingly doused by the cold waters of life's demands. Pursuing personal and professional objectives through education toward college degrees 
and master's degree and ultimately a law degree. Intense focus on the future took its role on intimacy in the present. Time did not heal all wounds. While committed to Christ and to one another, the emotional sinews binding loving relationship grew very thin. Periodic confrontations became a pattern. Resolved temporarily with psychologized promises lacking both the vision and clearly defined promise required to satisfy growing marital expectations and disillusionment. The fires had become mere emblems. A perceptible coldness crept in like an enveloping fog into our conversations, and sarcasm became the lingua franca of our communications. Webster His dictionary no longer defined the English language as it was understood or not between us. It seemed as if the internal bonds of holy matrimony were no longer sufficient to sustain a life-enjoying and God-glorifying level of marital happiness. And then came the frightening words that were forever changed the course of our foundering relationship, which I've already shared with you, by the way. Kathy's words were a deep cry from the heart. They were words of painful truth spoken in an almost prayerful plea. I have no more feelings for you, and it scares me. Now, what do we do? You see, life happens, doesn't it? Herman, life happens, doesn't it? Oh, it absolutely does. In fact, we too often live our life just letting things happen rather than making choices. Exactly. Uh, and every circumstances that comes comes upon us requires that we make a choice. And that choice that, my, that we make is based upon our viewpoint at that time, isn't it? That's right. Totally dependent upon our thinking. What are we thinking? We unfortunately aren't thinking as God would have us think. We're living our life thinking as our sin nature is driving us to think. My Being wife, Kathy, to- believes that the unwillingness to forgive is perhaps the number one underlying hidden sin in the body of Christ today. What do you think? I'd certainly go along with that because uh, everything that we have done in our great relationships material was born out of the seed of understanding forgiveness. I think uh, forgiveness is so crucial for relationships. There's, the way we talk about it, you only need two tools in order to pursue the best for others, and that is forgiveness and confession. Mm. Uh, and so it's I not willing... just enough to confess. You can confess without forgiving, can't you? Absolutely. You can confess you can. and try to lay the trip on somebody else. Yep. And mm. too often, too often, we put a demand on somebody else when we're confessing and end our statement will, with, will you please forgive me? Uh, I'm, I'm not in favor of that. Uh, it's not wrong necessarily, but that's their decision. It's not your decision to require them to do that or even ask them to do that. Well, Obviously, in the Bible, you talk about seeking forgiveness. You know what I'm the sure problem is? Here's, here's how we do it. Uh, we try to do an end run around what God requires. And so we say, I'm sorry. Yep. What we're really saying when I'm sorry, we're saying, I feel guilty. I feel sorry. So that should be enough. Because I feel sorry because I got caught in my unforgiveness or in my bad behavior and my adultery or whatever it was. Uh, 
I'm sorry. There's no forgiveness that comes from that, is there? Uh, there's those two things. Always keep in mind that those two things, confession and forgiveness, stand on their own. They're two separate issues. Yes, they are. As, as we always know, and that is something that's crucial for us to keep in our minds. Uh, and just to understand those two things, I love the fact that Kathy said that that uh, forgiveness has got to be one of the chief sins. I really do believe that. And that plays directly into Satan's hands because that allows us to be trapped in the past. That event that's been done to us is now enslaving us and controlling our life. And God is saying, there's a better way. You don't need to let the past control you. The past is over. Trust in me. Let me deal. Let me redeem all of that past. That doesn't mean you forget it, though. No, it does not mean that at all. In fact, like uh, like we were talking about, I believe in forgive and remember, because when you forgive somebody, that means that you have now formed a scar where there used to be a wound. Mm, okay, but somebody might say, oh, yeah, I, I, I believe in that forgive and remember thing, and uh, I use that remembrance every time, every opportunity I get to uh uh, get at the other person again. See, remember what you did? Yeah, and they don't understand that in step three of our forgiveness issue, they don't uh, look at our definition of forgiveness. And here's our definition of forgiveness. Never abusing them for the wrong they did to you in thought, word, or action. Mm. So the minute you start thinking about it, you may be pushing yourself to need to forgive them again. That's the reason why it's so important to have a memorial, which is in our step five in the forgiveness, create a memorial. Because Satan is going to bring this to your mind uh, within minutes of your forgiveness and years mm-hmm. to remind you he simply, he simply whispers in your ear as he has whispered in your ear, Chuck. Yeah. You remember when Kathy said she had no feelings for you. She still did it. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is, this is real stuff. Uh, and unfortunately we're living in a time when feelings have been given the ultimate authority in our lives. They've replaced faith in many respects for Christians. So if we feel good about something, we think we're right with God. But feeling isn't the issue. Feelings are the caboose that follow the engine of faith, aren't they? That's right. The engine of faith implies that you have thinking that has driven you to the place of belief and faith. Mm. That's that is so important for us to keep in our mind. It's it's I, I like to talk about it with this mindset. You know, you can you can know something and act on it, mm-hmm. but the more you act on it the more it's going to drive that knowledge into a belief and or faith. Isn't that what Jesus' brother meant when he said, but be doers of the word and not just hearers, deceiving your own self? Absolutely. I mean, when you look at God's word, he approaches learning vastly different than we do. He basically is saying to us, hear my word, go do it, and then you're going to understand it. And the more that you do it, the more you're going to understand how it fits with other parts. Mm. And when you hear and do, then you will actually turn it into something that is 
transforming your life. That is that is where God wants us. All right. Now, you and uh, Louie, your, your wife, uh, have been engaged in this ministry now for relationships. Uh, do you have a particular name that you use to describe this ministry? Great relationships. Yeah, GR, the number eight mm-hmm. relationships. And uh, you can go to the website. It's gr the number eight relate dot com mm-hmm. to uh, see everything that we have available at this point. And how time. long have you been engaged in this? We've been doing this basically for, in, in some regards, when you combine it with Dr. Marlon Howe's material, who was a mentor of mine, mm-hmm. all the way back to the eighties. We have created our own material in the mid-90s and have been doing the great relationships material since the early 2000s. All right. So you've been, you've been around this for a long time and, uh, you're still holding true to these principles. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, they are life changing, uh, to me and a constantly great reminder. I love talking to couples because it just reinforces it in my own mind. Exactly. This is the right way to live. In other words, the teacher sometimes gives a lot more out of what is being taught than the student does. Oh, man, I totally agree with that, Chuck. <laughs> totally agree with that. Well, that's one of the reasons why I really like doing what we're doing here. I mean, it, it does involve pointing the fingers back at yourself, uh, but we're all in this together, aren't we? Absolutely. We're here to be the body of Christ. So when we say, pray the Lord's Prayer, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that has to have some kind of tangible real meaning in my life. Yeah. When we are, we are either living his word or we're acting like it. Uh, in other words, pretending. That's right. Pretending. That's exactly mm, the point. Mm, mm, mm. And of course, there's an H word that we use to describe a pretender. Remember what that is? Mm, hypocrite. Oh, hypocrite. And yeah, you know, you know what at. the first three letters of the word hypocrite are? H-Y-P. Uh, spelled okay. hype. In other words, <laughs> I just hype the faith. I don't live it. <laughs> Think about that one during that. the break. That's... We'll be right back after this, friends. How did this happen to me? And what happened to us? These two books, $15 each, on our website, saveus.org. Life-changing. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
Welcome back to Viewpoint. How did these things happen to us? What happened to us? What happened to me? How do we deal with the relationships in our lives? How do we deal with the relationship between us and the Lord, between us and our spouse, our, uh, the people that we care about in our lives? Uh, how are we going to bring restoration? You see, uh, our ministry as ambassadors for Christ is to uh, uh, restore relationships, first with the Lord and then with one another. Now, about a quarter century ago, the Lord revealed to me, as a husband, some enduring secrets for marital success. In fact, there are seven of them. And out of those came a motto. Our motto, enduring secrets for marital success. And in our 50th anniversary, we produced a book called Lasting Love, Enduring Secrets for Marital Success that contains that motto and helps to understand how to live it out. Now, this is a $14 book, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, hardbound book that you can keep on your table by your bed and so on, easy to read. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a, a special offer to you today to combine with our uh, guest and uh, his books they are not duplicative, they are complementary. And uh, here's the deal. Lasting Love, a $14 book, yours for $10 when you get either one or both of our guest book, and there will be no additional postage and handling. Okay? We want you to get as complete a package as possible because our goal, Herman, our goal together is to see relationships reborn, isn't it? Amen to that. I mean, All right. to be able to enjoy each other, yes. Yeah, okay. So, friend, in order to get that special offer, you're probably going to have to either call us, 1-800-SAFE-USA, or write to us and mention that special offer with lasting love. That's what you're going to have to do because it's not on our website. It's something that just came to me a few minutes ago, and uh, so... Again, call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, and make sure uh, that you mention that special offer. Okay, now, uh, your second book, What Happened to Us, actually it's number four in your series, but how does that differ from your book, How Did This Happen to Me? Well, the first book gives you a kind of high-level thought about the tools as it relates to how relationships work, mm-hmm. gives you a, a mindset of what breaks down uh, the problem, the solution, just some basic tenets. Like uh, we always like to say, you know, people tend to point their finger at each other and mm-hmm. say, if you would just change, I'd be happy. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd say that forgiveness was at the heartthrob of book number one. It really is. It's definitely there because that's mentioning the four tools. The two most important tools, like I said, are forgiveness and confession. But what I find in talking to people, I need to help them understand how their feelings work and how freedom works. Exactly. And that helps them get into the forgiveness. Well, people need freedom, and you can't get freedom without forgiveness. Well, it's so interesting how difficult it is for people to accept others' freedom they can accept their own, but they're not willing to look at other people and say, they're free to be a jerk. 
You know, I don't like that. They're free to be a jerk. <laughs> well, you can't control other people. Uh, you, you can't. Sure can. You can't decide for them. You have to decide for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the me part of it is. I'm the Absolutely. one that has to decide. Yeah, and yep. you know, let, let's just be real honest about this. When you look at what's happened over the past forty, fifty years in our country, and all of the so-called Christian conservative response to it, it actually has ignored the very principles that you have talked about here. Here's what we've done. We've pointed our finger at them. It's always them. That's what the culture wars are about. They're not about me and what I did and what God wants to do to correct things in my life. It's about correcting them. Well, I can't correct them. I can't do that. And so we've had no spiritual revival. We've had nothing has changed for the better because nobody accepts responsibility. Yeah. Isn't that true? So true. So true. And uh, we as believers end up doing exactly the same thing as the world. We're making it all about (laughs) ourselves. It's all about me. Isn't that something? Very clever. Yeah. We're doing all the selfies and everything else. Yeah. So what happened to us? What's that book about? Book four. That book that book goes back to the foundations of the designs of men and women, starting with the view uh, a, a different and what I believe is a better option of what the image of God is. Mm-hmm. And often, most often in commentaries, you're going to see that the image of God is referred to as emotions, intellect, and will. The way that we look at that is taking Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where it says in the image of God, he created them, mm-hmm. male and female, he created them. There's something, and you can see our see our work that's coming out in a, a book totally developed, uh, uh, you know, all about the image of God. Uh, in that book, helps you understand that we believe the image of God is more closely associated with the concept of maleness and femaleness meaning more related to powerful and relational. That's a better way to look at the image of God. And when you look at it through that lens, it really makes a difference in how you see life. Well, it also uh, helps to completely do away or largely do away with all this argumentation about feminism and about, uh, uh, you know, toxic masculinity and all of these kinds of secular arguments what your book does, what happened to you don't even discuss things that way. But the reality is, when you look at it from God's perspective, it changes everything. Both yeah. male and female are exalted as different aspects of the very character and purpose of God. Amen. Amen. And when a marriage is done right, guess what? If you accept our view of the image of God, man being the powerful and woman being the relational, a marriage done right is the best reflection of the image of God to a lost and dying world. Think about it that way. Exactly. And that's true. That's true. So we're not demeaning. Uh, Nobody is demeaned. In fact, both are exalted because each one of us has an exalted God-given, God-designed role and purpose, neither male nor female, is, uh, shall we say, more 
made in the image of God, except that God designed that the male should have ultimate responsibility. Exactly. There's a, there's a great statement I learned from my mentor, Dr. Marlon Howe. He said uh, this. It's a simple statement that says a lot. Equal in value, different in design and role. Mm-hmm. That is such a good statement, isn't it? Yes, it is. Equal, it's very simple, e- distilling everything down to its simplest elements. Repeat it again. Equal in value, different in design and role. There's no reason to have a, the battle of the sexes. We're to be complementary of each other. And the reason we don't become complementary is because we end up doing the problem, which is making it all about ourselves. Yeah. Well, whenever it becomes about me, I have to make another confession here. Whenever it becomes about me, then I find tension developing. If it's if I begin to think about my wife, then the tension begins to dissolve. So the me focus is not the God focus. That's the fleshly focus, isn't it? Absolutely. Anytime we're making life all about ourselves, I I go this strong about it. Anytime that I'm making life about me, more than likely I am walking in the flesh. I'm not walking in the spirit because God is asking me to pursue their best. That's our definition of love, pursuing their best. You mean to tell me that this talk about walking in the Spirit in uh, Romans chapter 8 and in Galatians and so on is is actually applicable directly to our relationship to our spouses? (laughs) Without a doubt, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Triple time, huh? Triple time, that's right, because what we're ending up doing is making it all about ourselves, and the Holy Spirit never does that. God never does that. He doesn't make it about himself. He's always pursuing our best. He's always sharing what he He has with us. Yeah, but he yeah. also says, don't forget, I'm God and there is no another. That's right. <laughs> so I have to remind my wife every once in a while, don't forget, I'm your husband. <laughs> but then but then I have to be reminded by the Holy Spirit, yes, and you treat your wife according to knowledge. Right. And, you, <laughs> and, and are you are you saying that pursuing her best or are you pursuing your best by doing that? There you go. That, you know, uh, we have art. developed, uh, Kathy and I have developed kind of a little kind of inside humor. And uh, there are times when uh, there's a situation arises when... I, I really have to purposely and knowingly deal with a situation and her feelings and so on according to knowledge. So I will say to her, Kat, I'm just dealing with you according to knowledge. Mm-hmm. And she laughs and I laugh because we understand exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, so I remember back, it's got to be about 35, 40 years ago now. I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's what it said. Your wife is your portion in this life. Hmm. Have you come across that one? I haven't. Explain that to me. That's great. great. Whoa. Your wife is your portion in this life. And when I saw that, it was an aha. Oh, my goodness, Lord. She's a treasure. Hmm. She's my treasure. Hmm. So now I tell Kathy every once in a while, you're my treasure. And if you're getting in the car... Make sure you're you're driving safely. No messing around. Remember, you're my treasure. Yeah, well, that fits very closely with what uh, 
we have as the seventh element of how a man is to love his wife in Ephesians 5, where it talks about the church will be presented to Jesus uh, as as this pristine, mm-hmm. white, unblemished gown of a of a of a person. Uh, my my theory on that, just a theory, is that somehow the way we treat our wife is going to be presented back to us in some form, and hopefully she is presented back to us in not in marriage in heaven. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. Just just the picture of it that hopefully she's presented to me in this pristine, white, unblemished gown yeah. as, a, as opposed to a tattered gown. Well, not only that, but it's also a metaphor for the entire church, and that right. is that Jesus is not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Right. So what we're really talking about here, in reality, is preparing the way of the Lord in our lives, because Jesus is coming soon. And what's going on in many of our relationships, our marriages, and so on, is full of blemishes, spots, wrinkles, and all kinds of such things, and Jesus isn't happy. No, and he is asking us to forgive and confess, isn't he? There you go. Hey, thank you so much, uh, Herman, for joining us here Uh you know, I have a little touch of German in me, but I have uh, half Swedish in me. So we kind of did an international thing here, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jack. I really appreciate your time. All right. And you're located where? Midland, Texas, out in West Texas. Yeah. So is the spirit of George W. Bush still hovering over that town? Uh, I certainly hope not. But. Okay. <laughs> Since that's where his ranch was. Hey, listen, uh, friends, this is the book, How Did This Happen to Me? And then What Happened to Us? If you're just going to get one, get How Did This Happen to Me? That's my viewpoint. $15. The other's $15 as well. And then if you want the special offer, Lasting Love, Enduring Secrets for Marital Success, $10 for that $14 book. And there'll be no additional postage and handling for that book. How's that? But you'll have to call us or write to us if you want that special offer. Thanks for joining us uh, here on Viewpoint. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries and become a partner, friends. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Go on our website. Make your generous gift that way. Remember, we don't have any commercial advertising here. You noticed? Because God is depending upon his people to underwrite this program. Thanks for listening, and uh, let's get it correct. Forgiving and being forgiven. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.